0: we going to start tonight with a scripture reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the saints at Rome. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not only to think more highly of themselves, I'm going to start over because I messed that up. Let's start over. since we have gifts that differ accordingly according to the grace given to us each of us is to exercise them accordingly if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching or he who exhorts in his exhortation he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence He who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Last week we spoke about the the Holy Catholic Church. I really enjoyed learning as much as I did in in that week of preparing for the Apostles' Creed. And and after church last week, because I knew what was coming this week, I asked a few of you. So if you feel like it's just you, don't worry. I asked several people. It was a little uh, survey I was doing. And I asked the question, do you feel holy? Do you feel holy? Because we talked about the holy Catholic Church last week. Most of you smiled and replied, no. But I hope after today, you will learn to challenge your feelings of faith. Because whether or not we feel holy doesn't... Negate the truth of what God's word says about who we are. I hope maybe that we as a church can lo- learn to walk in holiness together as a community. And maybe the question we need to ask this week is this Do you believe the creed when it reads, I believe in the communion of saints? So we become a Christian. When we give up our individuality, that's what being a Christian is, is one who belongs to Christ. I no longer am the boss, the lord, or the master of my life, but I give it all to Jesus. Every bit of who I am belongs to him if I am a Christian. We enter into a relationship with God at that moment. We enter also into this relationship with a community of believers called the church, the holy catholic, which means universal, church. But we still remain in a world that continually tries to undermine this new faith that we have. It tries to cut the legs out from it and cause us to question. In fact, our world preaches a different religion than we believe. It screams individuality is the ultimate freedom. For example, we hear all the time, follow your heart. We hear, it's your life and it's your choice. You make it. We hear, only you can decide What's best for you? We also hear, don't you let other people tell you what to do. Now, there are certain times when those phrases might be very valuable to us, when we find ourselves in a situation where someone is trying to manipulate us or to hold us uh, captive by a false idea. But when these beliefs start to creep into our Christianity, it causes us to doubt the all-powerful, all-wise, good, compassionate, loving Father that we belong to, and it can wreak havoc on our Christian faith. So today, we're going to talk about sacrificing our individuality for community. The Apostles' Creed, the section is, uh, I believe, in the communion of saints. So communion is an old English word, and it means sharing, and it comes from the word communion, also comes from the New Testament, and it's translated a couple other ways too. The New Testament, the Greek word is koinonia, and it's translated in the fellowship, and it's also translated as partnership, depending on how it's used. So it's a sharing, it's a fellowship, it's a partnership. It's, it's more than just belonging to a, a little network, but it's just something that you really sold into, you believe in. It's a thriving, moving body of believers. So it's a fellowship of the saints. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings, it's a trilogy. And the first movie of the Lord of the Rings is called The Fellowship of the Ring. Basically in that movie, they it's the story of how they all end up together and they form this core group of people, the Fellowship of the Ring, that go out to make sure that we're going to make sure that this ring doesn't fall into the hands of the evil one. So it's this fellowship, this partnership. And so that's what we're talking about when we say communion of the saints. It's a fellowship, it's a partnership of the saints. There are a few things that we share in, and I want to get us started with a nice, easy list, one, two, and three. We're going to see how, number one, we're going to share our emotions. Uh, Don't worry, we shouldn't get too weird tonight with that. Uh, Number two, we're going to see that we're going to share in uh, spiritually and materially. And the third thing we're going to see is that we share in holiness. So let's start with number one, we share our emotions. We are emotional beings. God has created us this way on purpose. And it's a good thing. We feel strongly one way or the other. As Christians, we are to share our joys and our sorrows. We don't just share our joys, but we also share our sorrows. For some of us, it can be easier to share one or the other Maybe easy for us to share our sorrows. Some it may be really hard to. For others it may be the inverse of that. Where we're glad to share what's going on that's happy, but it's hard to share what's wrong. Unless I said that. Did I say it the right way? Yeah. Inverted. So it could be easier to do one or the other. But we're to share all of those things together because we are in a fellowship of the saints, a partnership. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. It talked about the body. We saw that last week of uh, believers, and it says here in verse 26, if one member suffers, so if one person in this fellowship suffers, all the members suffer with it. So if one is hurting, all of the body is hurting. If one is honored, then all the members rejoice with that one person. So the question is, for you to think about, is have you ever felt really lonely and isolated? where no one knew what you were going through. But then, something magical happened. You were able to share with someone what you were going through. And in that moment, you were not alone any longer. Now, they may not have even fixed your problem, but the fact that you were able to share with someone and let them know what you are going through brought relief to you. You felt better immediately. They're there to pray with you support you. They know what you're going through. You're not alone. We feel better when we share our pains with one another. What about good news? You ever had good news you just couldn't wait to share it? That you're so excited, that things were going in your life that you couldn't wait to tell someone? I remember when I was a younger kid and I was baptized and I couldn't wait to go to church the next or school the next day on Monday and just tell everybody, hey, I was baptized. It's amazing. And it was it was it was exciting for me and I couldn't wait to share. You know, emotionally, God gives us this community, this fellowship of saints in order to encourage us and also to encourage others that we're not alone in our sufferings, that we're not alone in our joys, that there are people who are rooting for us. We share these things with people who truly care for us. So I'll share this as a confession that it's easier. For me to share in the sufferings of other people than in their joys. Sometimes when people share their joys with me, there's a temptation to think, well, that's good for them, but why can't I ever get a good break? And I'm happy for them, but when's it gonna happen for me? I don't ever have that issue with the sufferings. Why can't I go through this suffering? But what we should realize is that it it exposes our, our hearts in this community and it gives us a chance to become more holy and realize, you know what, it's not really about me. As individual as my relationship is with God, it's really not all individual. My relationship with God is fleshed out in my relationship with you. And if this isn't right, then my relationship with God is not going to be right. And my relationship with God is not right, then my relationship with you is not going to be right. It's not always the case, but it's a great litmus test. And if things aren't right here or here, then that's the first thing we should look at. We are part of a community. When success happens for you, I want to be part of that. And I am part of that. It's something that I can rejoice in because you are part of my community. When we feel jealous, it's because we have bought the lies of this individualistic culture that gives us our value based on what we have individually. But the gospel supersedes that and it shatters those beliefs. It reveals to us that the victories of our brothers and sisters, your victories are worth me celebrating. My victory is worth me celebrating. Isn't that good? God has given us this fellowship, this communion of saints. So that we can share our emotions, what we're going through. second one is this. We share spiritually and mentally, number two. Spiritually and mentally. We share our spiritual gifts. That's one of the things I wanted to share is that we all have different gifts, giftings that God gives us. And we're to, to use those in order to share with one another. And we also are given materialistic goods as well, whether it be money or resources or whatever it might be, we're given those things not just for us, but also to share with others. When we talk about the spiritual gifts, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, as he as Paul is writing about the spiritual gifts, and he says, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies who? The church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues even more that you would prophesy and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edify so spiritually we see this section of spiritual gifts being spoken of as the reason you have these gifts is for the edification the building up of the church is to bring value to the, the church that god has created they're in order to bless people, to build them up. We're not just for ourselves, but to build others. Even the gifts such as tongues, which are using, using, <laughs> which are used to, to build you up. That's a Lindsay word, wasn't it? <laughs> so even those that are used to build us up, it's used to build us up so that we can build other, uh, others up as well. Materialistically, we see that God gives us things in order to share with others. In Romans chapter 12 verses 10 and following, he says be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, and then he says contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Paul is very clear that it doesn't just share our emotions, it's not just spiritually what we're to do, but it's Part of this network, this fellowship of saints, we are to share financially our resources. We are in this to help each other however we can. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says uh, the same thing. It says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This is how one of the ways that we can be pleasing to God is to take what he has given to us and share it willingly with others. When we don't honor God with what he's given to us, with our material blessings, then we rob ourselves of being used by God for greater things. But we also rob others of being blessed by God through that. And we also rob God, because he is the one who has given so that we can give. We're not given things so that we can hoard them and feel better about ourselves because we have more than our neighbor has, but we're given so that we can share it's a bless. We are to share in this fellowship of the saints, this communion of the saints. We are to share spiritually and materially. The third one is this. We share in holiness. We'll spend a little more time here, but not too much. We share in holiness. The word saints here, It says the communion of saints. Communion, fellowship, partnership, all those things that we share. And then now we're talking about who. And the word saints is used. Paul often begins his New Testament letters, several of them, by addressing the recipients as saints. And it wasn't just the leaders of the church that he was referring to. But it was the believers of the church. Everyone. Groucho Marx is a comedian of the Marx Brothers. You might know the name. May not be terribly familiar with his humor. But he once said this. He said... He would not want to join a club that would have him as a member. I wouldn't want to join a club that would have me as a member. And the reason is he felt like, well, if he could join it, then anybody could join it. It's probably not that special. And so many Christians, we feel the same way. They say, you know what? Well, you know, if I'm a saint, then there must not be anything special about it because I know my issues. And if all believers are saints, which means, you know, that guy over there then the idea of being a saint seems really devalued at this point. It's hard for us to say that we belong in the group called the saints. So why are we saints? First of all, what does it mean? The word saint means, very simply, it means holy. The communion of holy ones, saints. It means that we are set apart by God. We're pulled over here and we're set over as holy. We are sanctified by him. And here's why we're saints. Number one, under this, or A, it's not on the screen, don't worry about it. But here's a couple reasons why we're holy. The first one is this we are holy because of Jesus' holiness. This is how you become holy. It's not something that you and I have set out to do, but it's something that Jesus has done for us. It's his holiness that welcomes us into this fellowship that causes us to become holy. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he begins the letter and he says, "...to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints." And saints, if you have a study Bible, you'll most likely see a, a little annotation there saying that saints means holy ones. That's what that word means. He says, "...grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ." We see them again in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, the, the beginning of that letter. It says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ, Jesus, saints by calling. Again, that word saints in the same study Bible, if you see those, it means holy ones. So we are caused to be holy, not because of what we have done, but because of who we are based upon our faith in Christ. Because of our faith in Him, we become holy, chosen ones, beloved of God. You should think really highly of yourself in a very humble way because you think highly of yourself because of what Christ has done for you. It's not a prideful way because if you think highly of yourself in a prideful way, you're like, wow, look how good I have become. And that's not what the gospel teaches us. It says, look how good Jesus is and how good He has made you by grace. So we are holy because of Jesus' holiness. And the second thing is we are consecrated to God. Consecrated is like this bread and the cup over here where we have wine and juice. In a few moments we're going to do the, the Lord's Supper communion. And this is a sharing of the covenant where God shows us, reminds us through this act that Jesus' body was broken for us and His blood was spilled for us. And so when we come to this, this These cups have been consecrated. They've been set apart for special use. This bread has been consecrated. It's been set apart for special use. We believe they remain intact. They remain bread and they remain wine and juice. They're set apart for a holy purpose. So what we do in a few moments when we worship is a holy moment set apart by God to remind us of who He is and what He has done for us. We are consecrated to... We are set apart so that all of our actions are with one another, with the world. Everything that we do should be done through the lens of this is being done as one who has been set apart, consecrated by God. Consecrated to God, by God. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul is, it wraps up a great chapter there that we don't have time to go into, but this is a oh, verse that stands alone by itself. It says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So as people who are consecrated to God, whatever it is that we find ourselves doing, we should be doing for the glory of God. And in Colossians chapter 3 we see the same thing in verse 17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We become holy because of what God has done for us through Jesus. We give up our individuality. If we really understand what individuality is, the way the world preaches it, this really isn't that hard to give up. Because it leaves us thirsting for more. There never can be enough freedom individually for us to find that fulfillment. There's a gap within us that desires something greater than ourselves. We want something that we can believe in, something that's pure and holy. We want someone that we can give our lives to. Individuality is limited and is lacking, but through Christ we gain a community which is empowering and life-giving for ourselves and for others. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes... So, as those who have been chosen of God, and what's that word? Holy. This word is throughout the New Testament. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, and why? Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. All these graces and qualities that Paul mentions here, and he's instructed them to have, are qualities that have been given to them through Jesus. The church has received all of these very things from Jesus. This is what he's done for you. He's been kind to you. He's been compassionate to you. He's been gentle and patient. He's been forbearing with you. He's forgiven you. This is what Jesus has done for you and for me, and so this is the reason we are to go out and be this to each other and to the world. When we talk about holiness, though, and that this is who we are, holy and beloved by God, we can make a couple of mistakes here that I want to warn us of. You can make a a mistake in thinking, okay, since Jesus has caused me to be holy, we can think that our level of, actually, if you don't think that, okay, move back up. A couple mistakes. Number one, some of us will be tempted to base our level of holiness on the ability we have to live without sinning. Temptation. You're going to think, well, I feel really holy this week. Why is that? Because I did good. I mean, really, I nailed. I was great at work. I forgave people. I was on point. I am so holy this week. Well, if you feel holier this week because you're obedient, what you're suffering from is legalism. You feel holier because of what you have done. And that is a false gospel. You're not holier because of what you have done. You're holier because of what Christ has done for you. It's a false religion. Another temptation is this. Some of you will be tempted to rejoice in what Jesus has done for you and say, He's done it all. And now you're tempted to live in a way where you think obedience isn't important. It doesn't really matter what I do anymore because... Jesus is made me to be holy, so I don't have to worry about the law. That's called antinomialism. Excuse me, nomianism, which means there's no law anymore. And that's also a false religion. Obedience is, is extremely important to the believer. As we are in this communion of the saints, we realize that obedience is not how we are forgiven by God. You are not forgiven by God because you have figured out how to be obedient. But obedience is important because obedience is a response to God's grace toward us. It's something we do as a response to the grace God has given us. We are holy by His grace and His mercy. And when we live by the Spirit of God, with gratitude to the Lord, we will start to walk within His holiness and have a deeper, more pure obedience to the Lord's commands. The tension of this is is found in John chapter 14, verse 21, where Jesus is saying, uh, is preaching here, and he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them is the one who loves me. It's the one who's living obediently is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. This verse is one of those that shows us the importance of living as God's holy chosen ones. Our obedience bears witness to our faith. But it also shows us that we obey as a response to what God has done for us through Jesus. The communion of saints, as we talk about this, is a, a vast network. It's huge. It spans across the world in every culture and every nation. You are part of of a, a dynamic network of flourishing individuals who are faithful. There's some of the most faithful people in the world as Christians living all over. It's amazing to see what people have to endure in order to live faithfully to Christ around the world. And we all play our part in seeing God's purposes worked through our lives. God, for some reason, I think Henry Blackham said this, for some divine reason, God has chosen to orchestrate and work His plan through His church, through His saints. He's chosen to work through us, and we are to play our part. It's not just a local network. It's not just even a global network, but this network transcends time and reaches into the past as far as human history goes. We are part of the same communion of saints, the fellowship of saints, As all those who have lived by faith in the one true God, think Abraham and Isaac and all those in Old Testament, we are part of the same fellowship that they belong to. We share in their faith. We share in their work. So when we look into the Old Testament and we see what they struggled with, we can pull from that and say, you know what? As they went through this, so we can too. We can learn from them. Realize that we are part of their family. We can share in the work that continues today. But we also draw comfort from one another, locally. Abraham's great, and I love reading the stories of the Bible and seeing how great it was. But he's not that good to talk to at night. I can't talk to Abraham. But you know who is? My wife. And John. And Larry. And Johnny Boy. And Lindsay. And Renata. Shannon. Shannon stop naming people now we exist to encourage one another to support one another to walk through life together and we know that we're not alone even if we were on a deserted island literally alone we would not be alone but we are not alone whatever we are going through our fellowship of saints is going through it with us So whatever you're going through is something we want to help you go through together. I want to speak a blessing over you. If you are here today and you're calling on the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this blessing is for you. Would you bow your heads and receive it? You are holy. You are consecrated. You were set apart for God. You belong to a fellowship of faith that will never, 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 never leave you and never, never, never forsake you. May God bless you and may He receive all the glory through your life, His holy, chosen, beloved one.